Out of the corner of my eye, even on the first day, I noticed there was one cart that wasn't nestled in with the rest. Now you chase it down, roll it on over, line it up, and the next thing you know why the cart would be just a little ways off, sitting, sitting there off next to the drinking fountain. Well, next time you look, it'd be, it'd be way out in the parking lot, squeezed between a minivan and SUV. Cart 437. Well, it didn't take me long to get a little bit of a reputation. Now, I was the guy who'd go a ways out of his way to get the last cart, and most Mart employees wouldn't bother. They just wanted to go home and get their ears pierced or their butts tattooed. But if there was a cart out there, I was going to go get it and bring it in. I'd be the guy who'd push two or three wayward carts back across the dirt path of the vacant lot next to Kentucky Fry. The little wheels catching and dragging. I'd be the one to bother to check out by the dumpsters. I'd be the guy who'd hike out to the last light pole and make sure none was missing. More often than not, I'd find cart 437 out by the last curb, by the stop sign, facing west toward the interstate. Now come on, 437, I'd say, come on. And I'd gently pull and turn around, and I'd push her back, cross the lot, Parker squeezed in the middle of a row between a number of sleeping carts. That ought to keep you out of trouble, I'd say. Well, next morning, cart 437 be out by the garden shop, next to a plastic wheelbarrow, facing west. Now, Dell, the assistant night manager, hey, aren't they almost always named Dell? Well, he said he'd been watching me. He liked my work, and I could look forward to a five-cent-per-hour raise after six months. <laughs> well, that's 40 cents over an eight-hour day. Big bucks, if it's 1932. <laughs> of course, the Mart never hardly had to hand out those big raises. Most cart wranglers only last two, three months at the most. But me, me, for me, it wasn't about the money. I was prepared to hang on as long as necessary. In the spring, I caught up with cart 437 over by the Hy-Vee grocery store. Our parking lot connected with theirs. A, a number of the, our carts were pushed into the drainage dishes or shoved into the bushes by the side of the road. I found out that the bag boys and some produce kids from Hy-Vee were stealing my carts, joyriding and abusing them. Well, I went over there. I went over there on my time. I didn't care if I got paid. I didn't want to make a fuss. Me and the manager of the Hy-Vee, well... We had words. He said, well, he didn't think it was any big deal. The kids playing with the Mart's carts. Boys will be boys. They doesn't mean nothing by it. I said, rustling is rustling, pure and simple. Now, what was he going to do about it? Well, he shrugged his shoulders. He smirked. He looked like that Carl Rove. Like, <laughs> like those guys that, that smirk. I'm not a violent man, but I pulled out the pellet gun. I, I got out of sporting goods and shot the Coke machine right next to him. Bam! Just to prove a point. Well, a few nights later, I was bringing in a long line of carts from around the pharmacy entrance, and Dale, hey, if they're not named Dale, they're named Don. Well, Dale said, could he have a word? And I said, I was busy. What did he need? He said, he wanted to give me a piece of advice. So this Pasty, overweight, 28-year-old, bolden child with a, with a logo of a rock band tattooed on his forearm was going to give me some advice. Don't take this job so serious, he said. I said, mister, I take everything serious. I was thinking about cart 437. 
He'd roll somehow uphill around the corner, across the street from the south exit. Now, it's a quarter mile, more, as the crow flies. Didn't take a brain surgeon to figure cart 437 was thinking about making a break. <laughs> Dell said he thought it might rain. Did I know there was an opening for greeters? I said I didn't know nothing about that. I went back in the seasonal department, grabbed a banana and a raincoat, and started to head on out. Got held up once again by Dell asking me if I knew anything about a goddamn Coke machine with a bullet in it. I said I didn't know anything about that neither. Then he made me sweep aisle nine. Then I went on after cart 437. <laughs> well, it's been six days. Finally caught up with 437 at a gas and go next to a strip mall a little west of Easton. Now, at first I thought 437 must have got on the, out on the highway there somehow, been rolling along the emergency lanes of the interstates to get this far out, but then I realized that the parking lot is like an unbroken inland sea. From the mart to the malls to the mega malls spreading like fjords to the strip malls across the plains. You can get any way you want by going nowhere. I lean on somebody's Ford for a moment, light up Marlboro, flick the match onto an oil stain at my feet. I figure this parking lot might just go all the way around the world. I got cart 437 loaded up with little Debbies and beer. I got me an extra shirt, so I figure we're gonna have to return to the mart eventually, but it's a cloudless day. We just might take the long way around. College students today show less empathy towards others compared with college students in decades before. So says a study from the University of Michigan. The research finds that college students today show 40% less empathy versus students back in the 80s and the 90s. That's a quick and sudden drop. The students are less likely to agree with statements such as, I often have tender, concerned feelings for people less fortunate than me, and... I sometimes try to understand my friends better by imagining how things look from their perspective. The study did not evaluate why students are less empathetic, but it's said that one reason may be that people are having fewer face-to-face -face interactions, communicating instead through social media, such as Facebook uh, and Twitter. Well, that's quite true, you know. I mean, empathy, as the report says, is best activated when you can see another person's signal for help. Yeah, it's kind of hard to signal for help or with any kind of Homeric depth with 140 spaces. That's um, that's the Twitter coup. That's all you get is 140 spaces. If you're crying for help and it goes over 140 spaces, ah! Michigan graduate student Edward O'Brien, who helped collect data for the study, says the explosion in social networking has caused college students to spend less time with each other. I was in a coffee shop in LA a few months ago and there were like three or four people standing around. They were within a foot of each other and they were texting each other on their phones. 
It was as if they were miles away from each other. There was no intimate social space. O'Brien says, you might spend your night posting on Facebook walls and sending out tweets to hundreds of your online friends, but by doing so, you're also not spending time with real people and gaining valuable interpersonal experience. Well, if people are less empathetic, it has implications for America's aging population because older people will increasingly rely on younger generations for support and care. On the other hand, Claire Rains, author of The Art of Connecting and an expert on generations, says such a study focusing on college students leads to stereotypes of the millennial generation, people born between 1980 and 2000, seeing them as more narcissistic and materialistic, which Rains says isn't necessarily true. She notes that the millennial generation volunteers more than twice as often as Generation X, so they're kind of now Generation 2X or people born roughly back there in 1960 and 1980, the beginning of the new old school. They also have better relationships with their parents, she says. Rain says that empathy is declining in all generations and that people may be closing themselves off from others in a response to the increase in the flow of information and bad news. Well, I certainly hope that that I'm not part of that process. I hope that the the dire effect of some of my my perorations doesn't make people close down and become less empathetic. Oh, that that's not exactly what I had in mind. Dave, you it, got one. Yeah, I, I can tell one. by the expression on your face, Peter. Dave, it's not just the picture of beef on a new billboard in North Carolina that tries to catch the driver's attention. It's the aroma coming from the sign. Oh, no. The billboard on North Carolina 150 in central North Carolina emits the smell of black pepper and charcoal, one of my favorite odors. There's a great combination. (laughs) To to promote a new line of beef available at the Bloom grocery chain. Bloom is part of the Salisbury, North Carolina-based food lion chain. Who cares? Who cares? The billboard shows a fork piercing a piece of meat. A Bloom spokesman said the billboard will emit scents from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. and from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. every day until June 18th. Drive time odors, right? They, they, they know what. Okay, a high-powered fan at the bottom of the billboard spreads the aroma by blowing what, air. What is this one guy standing down there who likes meat? Hey, have some more. Well, that's, no, it's a high-powered okay, fan. High-powered they, they were fan. thinking right, of, I right. say hire the guys, you know. But yeah, really. A high-powered fan at the bottom of the billboard spreads the aroma by blowing air over cartridges loaded with fragrance oil. 